Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast Season 3, episode number 55 on this Mock Draft Monday. In today's episode, of course, we'll have an NBA Mock Draft as well as who's a better fit for the Los Angeles Lakers, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. We have some Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal trade destinations, as well as Big Ben Super Diet. Was it all a lie? Chandler Jones is requesting a trade from the Arizona Cardinals. And lastly, Deshaun Watson is reporting for Texans training camp. So without further ado, let's dive on in. And we begin today's episode with a mock draft. Um, obviously the rules, right? How it works. We make our own rules here. So <laughs> we don't need to listen to anyone else's rules. Pretty much how we're going to do it is we'll be taking turns. So we don't want to do it how we did the NFL one where we had like all of us like give our own picks. It's not worth it. And funny enough, I have a, a sound that I got on YouTube and I'll put it through the mic and I don't know. How it, well, I'll make an official draft kind of thing. So let me pull this up real quick. NBA draft music. So we'll do a thing where we like, you know, right here, I'm, I'm going to play it right here. So with the first overall pick, we had the Detroit Pistons selecting Cade Cunningham, guard, Oklahoma. Um, Cade Oklahoma is a generational State. talent. Oklahoma State. Oh, sure excuse me. He would be happy if you made that, me- that mix up on draft night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That would have been. T- I mean, Trey Young. I mean, Oklahoma has some talent, Buddy Heald. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State, the generational talent. I mean, people are, you know, saying he's the best prospect we've had since Zion Williamson. And obviously, it's only two years ago, but. I mean, to be compared with an NBA all-star, an NBA, an all-NBA guy, I mean, he's into Malik company. So I think we all had Kate Cunningham, no really disagreements there. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So before we got Frank or Nick, let me play the sound real quick before Nick goes. All right. With the second pick, we have the Rockets taking Jalen Green, a uh, guard from the G League. Um, so picks two and three are pretty interchangeable here. It's between Green and Mobley. And um, I don't know, it's weird because Mobley, the issue with the third pick is the Cavs. The second pick is the Rockets. And both teams kind of already have a center with Wood and Jared Allen. So his fit's going to be kind of weird regardless. We just like Jalen Green here. We think he's a little bit more talented. I mean, um, he's, he's just an all-around great scorer, three-level scorer. And we think he could fit the Rockets really well next to Kevin Porter. Yeah, Christian Wood. Like him and Christian, or Evan Mobley and Christian Wood, at least for defensively, it, it's not a, it's not a good look at all. Especially when Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum are guys like playing power forward nowadays. Yeah, you see you that can't like have, with every team. You in can't the have Christian Wood guarding Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum. It's not going to work out well for you. So mm-hmm. they they honestly really can't go Evan Mobley in my opinion. The defense offensively will be great, but defensively that's a problem, and, and you can't have Christian Wood guarding a Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant on a nightly basis. It just can't happen. Absolutely. So, yeah, nowadays, we, we you know, the Rockets would just be better off using Wood as a five. He can already stretch the floor. I get Mobley can too, and he's great. He's obviously a, fan, a fantastic can't-mix prospect here. But, you know, the Cavs just extended Jared Allen. They, they accepted the RFA, like the restricted whatever qualifying offer. And now the Rockets, to me, you can't – you know, solely rely on Kevin Porter Jr. because he only really played 25 games last year. He's had some off-the-court issues. So I think taking Jalen Green and pairing them together would be great. You got some great scoring in the backcourt, and I think just running Wood at the five makes a lot more sense. And I think Steven Silas and the Rockets will go in this direction because they want to run the floor. They want to try and score as many points as possible, and this is the best way to do it. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. You can't rely on Kevin Porter Jr. here. 
But even if you can rely on him, it still can't hurt to add another really talented guard. That, that's what the NBA is based off of now. And, you know, I think just the duo of them alongside uh, Wood would be really good long-term for them. Yeah, exactly. It's not really about the fit. Teams have, I think too many teams have made the mistake in the past of just going off a of fit. It's about talent, dude. If you have like Chris Paul and James Harden were the perfect example of people thinking that it, that fit is overrated. Those two kind of just made it proof that fit is overrated because Chris Paul and James Harden were supposed to be two ball dominant players who couldn't get along. I mean, and they won 65 games and if not for Chris Paul being hurt, could it be the greatest team, you know, ever assembled. So I don't, I think people overrate, you know, fit sometimes. And I think, you know, when you have an opportunity to pair two good scores who can average like 25 a game next to each other for like five, seven plus years, you, you do it. Yeah, for sure. But Mobley's really talented as well. It's just, you know, kind of in the past, the centers have scared me, especially at the top of the draft. Um, and to me, taking the guard, like Grab said, I think the guard is much, position is much more important. We're talking about centers in the NBA here. We could probably name about eight guys that you can have that every team would want. You know, when we get to DeAndre and Clint Capella, maybe those guys. And then after that, you could pick up a guy like Nerlene Zoel, like the Knicks did, you know, off the streets for $5 million a year, and he could give you 25 good minutes at center. You know what I mean? The guard position is much more valuable. Well, much more you replaceable the, centers. Exactly. They would be crazy in my eyes not to go with Jalen Green here at the number two pick. In, yeah. I, mean, I take back my comments on fit because I guess the reason why I don't want you know the, the Rocket or the Cavs or the Rockets, excuse me, selecting you know Evan Mobley is because of the fit with Wood. But that's like that is a problem defensively. I, I, offensive chemistry problems are overrated because I, I still think that you know the, there's enough you know touches in a game for everyone to get the ball and get their shots up. You see with the Nets, I mean they have three super ball dominant superstars. I mean. And I know Kevin Durant can play off the ball, but Kyrie Irving and James Harden are known to be two ball dominant players. And, you know, they're, they were just fine this season. So I don't, I don't care. I'm just getting talent and, you know, especially mm -hmm. at the guard position. I think this could be another situation like last year where we saw the Warriors take Wiseman over LaMelo ball. And I think we could see something similar here where if the Rockets end up taking Mobley, like they'll really regret not taking Jalen green. I mean, he's a, he's a rookie of the year candidate. Obviously Cade Cunningham's the favorite, but Jalen green is right there. And you know, I think the Warriors regret taking LaMelo Ball. They regret taking the more talented guard because they were afraid of fit. And I think we could see a similar situation here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Frank, we got the third overall pick now. But The third overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select center from USC, Evan Mobley. So we have Evan Mobley going here. Like I said, they, you know, they did accept the qualifying offer for Jared Allen. So it is a little interesting. And to be honest with you, I think the pairing of Wood and, and Mobley would fit better than Allen and Mobley. But um, Evan Mobley is too talented in our eyes to fall out of the top three. That's why we have him going here. Allen is good. He's a great young center, plays good defense, protects the rim, gets rebounds. But Evan Mobley is miles ahead of him on the offensive uh, end of the floor. He can shoot the three ball. He can rim run. He's quick. He can play down to the post. He's pretty much all you want in a center. To me, I'd compare him to a guy like Carl Anthony Towns at this point, just a really great scorer on all three levels. So we have the Cavs going with him at number three because there's too much talent to pass up on for him to fall further. Mm -hmm. Also, I'd like to point out, Jared Allen's a free agent, actually. So it's more so like they traded for him and they're not going to bring him back now. No, but they accepted the qualifying offer, right? So that's one. That's another year. You know, it is another year, but... Oh, did like, they accept that? I must have missed that. The thing is, I, I swear I just saw it. The yesterday. thing is, though, I mean, you can move on from Jared Allen in a trade very easily. I, I don't – if if yeah. you have a chance – if you think – I mean, Evan Mobley is so talented that 
like you, Frank said, I don't see how he can fall out of the top three. He's not. Yeah, the top and three is set. The, the, Cavs, three, the top three players are set. Like Jared Allen, you can move on from him. I don't think the Rockets can move on from Christian Wood. I don't think that's just he's an all-star caliber player. Christian Wood, mm-hmm. Jared Allen's a, he was a solid player, but he's he, a role player at best. He's a solid player. He's like a you know, fifteen to eighteen range in center. You know, he's solid. He's like Mitchell Robinson. You know, but. You know, like you can pay guys for much cheaper, I'll say, to do a role similar to him. Because Christian Wood could space the floor and shoot, and he, you know, can create his own shot, and you know, he he's a good playmaker. So I think it's two different things. All right. Um. With the with the fourth overall pick, we have the Toronto Raptors selecting Jalen Suggs, the guard from Gonzaga. Um. Obviously, Kyle Lowry is going to be out the door in Toronto, so to get a guy who is actually being compared to Kyle Lowry, ironically enough, would just be, you know, I think the perfect thing for Toronto. Toronto is so fortunate to have the number four pick. This is a team that you look at their, their roster, they could have easily been a top five, six team in the Eastern Conference this year. They have a ton of talent on the roster and adding a, another top five pick, this team could be scary in the future. And I think they have one of the more underrated futures in the NBA, especially with the development system they have in Toronto. They've been, you know, consistently, you know, getting guys, reaching the guys to their full potential. You saw with Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. Those were guys picked in later rounds. Imagine what they could do with a guy like Jalen Suggs, who already has that raw talent, plus what they do with developing. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. uh, Really quickly, I'd like to say that, like, this is where the draft starts to get interesting. We you know, originally, I think it was believed Kuminga was the fourth player in the draft here, but he started to fall a little bit. Um, I've seen some Scotty Barnes rumors here. I don't necessarily like his fit as much, so I guess it depends who they think is more talented. I personally think Suggs is a better player. He can shoot. He could shoot really well. I mean, we we saw that in the tournament. He could shoot the lights out. He's a solid playmaker. I think Suggs is definitely the pick here. Yeah, he's right. probably one of the most complete players in this draft and most NBA ready in my eyes. Mm-hmm. All right, with the fifth pick, we have the Ma- the Magic selecting Scotty Barnes, a forward from FSU. He played point guard at FSU, so that's a very, you know, interesting bit of experience that he has there. Um, you know, I think he'd fit the Magic pretty well. He's a freak athlete, great playmaker. The question with him is obviously his shooting. Uh, he can, you know, his career can really go in a bunch of different ways. Will he be Ben Simmons or will he be maybe a better Draymond Green? We don't really know, um, but, you know, it. He, he, he's a great leader. He's a great playmaker. And I think he can make the magic better from day one, just because they don't, you know, they don't really have much of that. They have Cole Anthony a little bit, but I don't know if he's as good of a playmaker as I was expecting him to be. They have a bunch of young assets there. And I think this would be a good fit. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think the magic are lacking a true score though. Like to me, in my eyes, I see, I could see Kuminga going here. See, that's where I, th- I think Cole Anthony took over that role more than I expected last year is what I was trying to say. I mean, they have, like, a lot of – like, Foltz and Cole Anthony and then a Jonathan Isaac coming back. Like, I to see him more as a defender. Like, to me, they don't have a true scorer. But, like, in your eyes then, too, what you just said, they don't really have a true playmaker either. So, they can't go wrong, honestly, with either of these picks. And, you know, to me, I see Scotty Barnes more no, as, like, a good – like, a great Draymond Green. And, you're, like, like you said, I think that would be a perfect role for him with the Magic. Space the floor with a lot of shooters around him. Anthony could shoot the three ball. So could Marco Foltz get Jonathan Isaac in there. They're going in the right direction, if they, but they have to hit on both of these picks in the top 10. Absolutely. I, I disagree, though. Jonathan Kuminga is super raw. So 
yes, he could develop into this great scorer, but it's not a guarantee, like, whatsoever. Like, literally, he's much more raw. And I honestly don't like drafting raw prospects because it really just puts, you know, too much power in the team's hand and to get them right in. You know, especially with, like, how social media, like, pressures players know nowadays. Like, if you're not good your first two seasons, you the coach has to bench you because, like, it's the social media pressure. Like, oh, like, you're a bust. You're, you're going to get fired because you're playing a guy who's you're still developing. Like, you can't have, like, a Giannis-type situation in the NBA anymore where you're letting, you know, a guy develop for two, three seasons. It, it's just well, tough. It like, depends on the pick, and it depends on the team, I think. If you're going with a team like overall, you have more time. And – you know, a, a good example of a raw prospect in recent memory that really panned out was Jalen Brown. A lot of people yeah. were surprised to see him get taken third, and he honestly wasn't great his first year in the league. But so he, you know, he he's it, improved it, every year. Situation, but you know, the thing about Kuminga is he is really raw, and his, you know, he had similar shooting issues in the in the G League that Scotty Barnes did in college. It's just that Scotty Barnes were much more documented because he was playing on a bigger stage. But I mean, Kuminga shot I think sixty percent from the free throw line. Um, so you know, he has a lot of the same concerns that Scotty Barnes does in terms of shooting. They're both just very raw prospects. I could understand, I don't know. I could understand Kuminga because I guess his potential is obviously, you know, a superstar. I- I've heard some people call him like the next Kawhi Leonard. It- it's like there, you know, the defensive potential, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of like these guys. This is a project and, and you have to trust the organization. And I don't know if I trust Orlando, you know, develop into, into the star player yeah well that's a legitimate concern for sure like boston is pretty and, and even like Kawhi was a raw prospect like san antonio was a pretty good spot to develop mm-hmm. so well so would like the raptor, raptor yeah i was just gonna example, say that. you know the rap yeah yeah totally all right we'll go, we'll go. all right with the sixth pick we have the thunder taking jonathan kuminga now um you know, like we just – we really just talked about him. He's very raw as a prospect. You know, the Thunder have kind of developed some talent pretty well, you know, especially with Chai. They have Poku. They have some guys, Lou, jo- uh, Lou Dort. And I think, realistically speaking, Scotty Barnes here, you know, can fit – like would fit right in with them because they kind of need like a playmaker. But so would Jonathan Kaminga. They def- they desperately need a small forward um, at this point. You know, Kemba Walker, there's a lot of talent there. And, you know, the Thunder – to me is a little bit more comfortable of a spot for developing Jonathan Kaminga rather than the magic. So this is where hopefully it plays into this way, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, totally agree. All right. With the seventh overall pick, I had the golden state warriors selecting, or we have the warriors selecting Davion Mitchell, the guard from Baylor. And we don't believe the warriors will be picking here, you know, Obviously, with all the rumors of, you know, the package of James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, pick seven and 14, like the overused package that you've heard on pretty much every social media platform. I mean, it's the same trade that everyone's throwing out there, but it is true. And it probably, it probably will happen if we're being honest with ourselves, guys, you know, Golden State's in win now mode. They're not interested in, in taking home two picks and having them develop under, you know, Curry and Clay. They're in win now mode with an opportunity to add another guy like Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or Pascal Siakam. They're not going to just settle and, you know, draft guys who are 20, 19 years old and expect them to, you know, get them to that Western Conference finals, those NBA finals is, and championships ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And if, uh, if we're assuming they do make the pick, we're assuming they're going to go with one of the most NBA ready prospects in Davion Mitchell. That's what, that's what I really like about him is that he's so NBA ready. He's just such like a polished player, solid shooter, solid playmaker. 
just a smart player. Mm-hmm. I'd compare him to a guy like Mike Conley, to be honest with you. He's, just, he's a very good defender. He was one of the best in college basketball. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's a playmaker. He's a leader. And he's he really improved his three-point shot from this past season. And, you know, if you guys watch March Madness, where I saw a lot of Damian Mitchell, he was honestly the best player in that tournament. He was absolutely incredible for Baylor. And, you know, they won the title, and he was a really big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen Conley, and I've seen Drew Holiday comparisons. So just, like, just very solid point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. And Golden State could oh. use that because, you know – like Clay, honestly, now nowadays in the NBA is a three, and it could help Curry play off ball a little bit more too. And Mitchell could slide right in because he's a good defender. That'll help them out in that aspect. And he could space the floor as well. And he could play make if they need. So mm-hmm. he does everything well for them. All right. Well, we've queued the music down twice early. So now let me run it back for the eighth overall pick. All right. With the eighth pick, we have the Magic. This is their second pick. We have them selecting James Bonate, the guard from UConn. So as we were saying before, we, we feel like the Magic still need a legitimate scorer, and that's what Bonate is. He was a 19-point-per-game guy at UConn in his sophomore season. You know, just a solid three-level scorer. Um, I think if he was a freshman, he'd be a lot higher in this draft because he's very talented. But, you know, teams hate sophomores this now. Like, they hate anything that's not a freshman these days. Um, but, yeah, just a solid player. I think if they were to come away with Scotty Barnes and James Bonate here, they'd get a really good playmaker and a really good scorer to go along with Cole Anthony and hopefully Jonathan Isaac. And I think that would be a really good group to build around. Certainly. Yeah, Booknet was really, he was, he was fantastic in the big, in the big East tournament. That's where he carried UConn, but you know, they kind of fell short of expectations in the tournament, but Booknet's really good. He's a great scorer, can get to the basket, can create his own shot. And like you said, the magic, you know, just stockpiling a bunch of talent. Booknet has flew up the draft boards because of the combine and et cetera. And he must be doing well in interviews as well. I'm sure he is, but you know, this for the magic, stockpile on the talent, hit on some picks. And, you know, you don't know about the durability of Markel Fultz at the point guard position. You have Cole Anthony, who could kind of play off the ball, same with Booknight, because he's listed as a shooting guard. So that could work. And I think this would be a no-brainer pick for them. I've also heard Moses Moody, but I would be more comfortable with Booknight because I think he's more complete as a scorer. Mm-hmm. All right, Frank. Okay, so with the ninth pick, we have the King selecting Jalen Johnson, the forward from Duke. Um, some mock drafts have had them taking guys like Keon Johnson, more guards. But to, me, to be honest with you, they're already stacked at the guard position, Fox, yeah. Halliburton, and Heald. So to me, I think they need a playmaker. They need some wings. And Jalen Johnson, you know, is a wing. He's a good playmaker. Just really worried about him because he kind of quit on his teammates this year and, you know, left Duke early. Kind of scares me. He's good at getting to the basket. He's strong at the rim. Uh, those are his best abilities to me. But, you know, the Kings just desperately need wings. Mm-hmm. Well, he's at the most upside probably – or not the most obviously, but you know, he's, uh, he's one of those guys again, which is a very, you know, it's a really risky pick for Sacramento because he's not NBA ready. You know, I, I guess if that's the word people use nowadays, he's, he's more on that raw side and he has a lot of, you know, upside, but Sacramento, I mean, they've been too conservative and Sacramento just really needs that superstar potential in the draft. And I mean, they're at the point where if they don't hit a draft pick this year, they're, they're on the verge of, you know, having De'Aaron Fox, you know, want out and then having to blow it up again. They really need to start hitting their picks to get this, you know, wheel spinning in the right direction. And I thought they were. Remember two years ago, they were the 10th seed in the, in the, in the, in the or ninth seed in the Western Conference, right behind the LA Clippers for that final playoff spot when De'Aaron Fox had that breakout season. And ever since then, they, they've kind of gotten closer. I remember last year before the, the season restarted or like, shut down because of COVID, they were pushing Kent Bazemore, help them get on a little run. 
And then it really didn't, you know, happen, you know, this year, obviously. So Sacramento really needs that one more piece to push them over the hump in the West, maybe crack a, crack a play in tournament, you know, appearance, maybe a playoff spot, but they, they really need to hit on the, on this pick. Yeah. If they take a guard, it's a disaster, but this is a super hit or miss pick. Jalen Johnson's a, a really big unknown. Cause we didn't, we didn't see him play that much. You yeah. Know? Like, he, he really left early on in ACC play for Duke. So we didn't, we didn't see him play many games against top tier opponents, but when he did play, he was a double double machine. So, I mean, there's certainly some upside there, but this pick scares me. It, it just seems like a very Kings yeah, pick to it, me. It's risky. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all right, with the final pick, we're going to do the top 10 only. We had the Pelicans selecting guard Moses Moody from Arkansas. Obviously, they just need spacing and they, they need guys who could shoot the ball uh, next to Zion, next to Brandon Ingram. And with Lonzo probably on his way to Charlotte, if I'm assuming, you know, to team up with Lonzo and Le- uh, LiAngelo, I don't see how, you know, the the, uh, the Pelicans don't go a guard, guy who can shoot the ball. And Moses Moody isn't the best playmaker necessarily, but, you know, the Kings, they don't need any more help. Or the Pelicans don't need any more help in the front court. You know, so th- I think this would be a good pick for them, a score. Mm-hmm. This would be the third player from Montverde taken in the top 10 of this draft alongside Kate Cunningham and Scotty Barnes, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Moses Moody is super talented. I love him. He was like, I think he was the second leading scorer in the SEC this season. I could be wrong on that, but he was up there. And he, he was, I, I think he really exceeded expectations. I think he'd be a good fit for them. He's, he's just a really talented player. He's got a lot of bounce too. He's very, mm-hmm. very athletic. He's very athletic. You're going to see a lot of alley-oops from him and Zion if, you know, they, you know, they have this duo. He shot the ball 35% from three. Like Ben said, they just need more spacing. He can knock down a three-point shot. He's very athletic. He can rim run. He want that, you know, with the new coach that they got, Willie Green, they're going to try and play fast tempo basketball. And he's a perfect guy for this style with his athleticism and his rim running ability and his athleticism. Yeah, and absolutely. They need to they need to start taking more guards. They just need to let Zion play center. They can't take another big here. It would just be an absolute disaster. Yeah, Zion at the five, Brandon Ingram at the four. Mm-hmm. Just fill your team up with cards. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's our mock draft. We did the top 10. Now we're going to move into some uh, NBA rumors. First off, we're going to be looking at the Lakers. Who's a better fit for them, CP3 or Westbrook? We know the CP3 effect on teams. It's real. He makes every team he touches better. Um, the question with him, obviously, there's some durability questions because he's going to be kind of old. He's going to be 37 and LeBron's going to be 37. And then is he too ball dominant to be next to LeBron? Like, would that really fit? Would it really work? And then on the Westbrook side, I think this one, this is not really a legitimate option. He's a bad three-point shooter. He's just a very reckless player. And I don't think his fit next to LeBron would work at all. I mean, I don't think they can afford Chris Paul. So I, I would take that option off the board for me. They're both I think he's just, what they had last year. but I, I, I think he's going to want the money. But I could see Westbrook because I could see them trading you know, Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, and, you know, Dennis Schroeder on a signing trade. The Wizards aren't going anywhere what they have now with Westbrook and Beal. They're in just a really bad state. And, you know, unfortunately, Denny had that major knee injury. And, you know, Hachimura is great. He's a role player at best. They're in a disaster. They need to blow it up now, get something out of Westbrook while he's still valuable. Um, and you know what? I think that's the most realistic option for the Lakers or maybe getting a guy like Derek Rose in free agency. But, you know, like you said, Graf, is it better than what they have now? Yes. So why not? Is yeah, Westbrook I think Rose valuable though? to be better than Westbrook. I just I don't I don't see Westbrook blending in well with LeBron at all. I just think it would be a horrible fit. Is Westbrook's you know, not me, valuable in a trade though, Frank? 
Like, I think he's a negative with his contract. I think he's a negative asset, which yeah, is why. Do you really think the Lakers, like, because Taylor Horton Tucker played pretty well towards the end of last no, year? You know, you're doing it if you're the Lakers, of course. Taylor Horton Tucker's so overrated. I don't want to hear Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't necessarily think so. I really do think that they would, they would just, they'd be better off putting their assets somewhere else than Russell Westbrook. Maybe it's a Kyle Lowry. That would be it. But I think Lowry would be a better fit than Westbrook. Westbrook's too ball dominant. He's not going to help you if he's off the ball. I think to answer this question, though, of Chris Paul or Westbrook, it's Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul is durability factor. I think it's a major problem with me. Guys, this guy can't even like stay on. He's consistently year in and year out been hurt in the postseason and has come back to haunt his teams. At least Russell Westbrook, you know, he'll be healthy. And Chris Paul won't be the most important player on this team. I would take 40 games of Chris Paul over 80 games of Russell Westbrook. You don't know if he'll be there for the postseason run. I mean, he's he was hurt in the NBA finals this year. We don't know. We don't know if LeBron and Anthony, we don't know if LeBron and Anthony Davis will be. And that's what I wanted to say. To me, it's all about Anthony Davis. Here they won the championship. He was easily a top five player in the NBA, arguably top three. Unless he could get back to that level by staying on the floor and producing at a dominant level in the post, it doesn't matter. Whoever they add doesn't I matter. Totally it's all agree. about Anthony Davis. and all, It's all about his durability. But um, in terms of who is a better fit, Russ or CP3, I think CP3 might be the better fit, obviously. But I think if the Lakers want to, you know, build a roster to win a championship. I think Russ is the answer because Chris Paul won't be there, guys. He's 37 years old. He's going to break down. He's a small point guard. His body's, in, at least with Russ, you know his motor will, you know, he'll be a good, a semi-good defender and he'll be the third option on the team, guys. He was been the yeah, second option. but he option. can't play off the ball because he can't hit the side of the backboard on but a three-point shot. Remember with Houston, he shot 36% from three with Houston that one season with James Harden. 36%. That's not, that's not bad. That's, that's solid. No, it's and, not, but to me, Chris Paul just makes more sense. You've seen his impact on, on you know, every team that he's been on. Chris but Paul you've and LeBron never seen Russ friend. as a third option, though. We've never seen I Russ guess. as a third option. But Chris Paul's also just a better shooter as well. And he know, like he could play off the ball a lot better. How than much Russell better of a shooter? Chris Paul's not that much better of a shooter. If you look at Russ's use in numbers. But, and I, or, fair enough. I'll give you that the shooting. But like, I think durability is being underrated, guys, here. Like, we know Russ is a guy who... And he plays his tail off, guys. As a third option, his motor, I think he'll bring it every night, get the Lakers a high seed. I think he's the guy that they need. And he's a great playmaker. You know, I, I think Chris Paul, I would love to have him, but how many games, he's not going to be, you can't guarantee that he'll play 30 games next year. I mean. No, I mean, it's a legitimate concern for sure. I just assuming both are healthy and play every game. It's Chris Paul who had a question, but it's definitely, it's definitely a valid concern. Um, I don't know. Westbrook just Westbrook just scares me though. I I like we haven't seen him as a third option, and I like you. I just feel like you can't assume that he would fit well as a third option. I feel like there's some. I just I just don't know. He's just too much of a wild card for me. Yeah, they should get Kyle Lowry though. If they should actually get Kyle Lowry, if because with Kyle Lowry, and you might be saying like Kyle Lowry, gonna get Kyle him. Lowry was in and out of the lineup this year as well. But that was for the first time. I think Kyle Lowry's durable if you because and we don't really know the intentions of why he was out. I mean, we don't know where his mind was at. But being in Tampa Bay, it was a weird season for the Raptors. And I think that if you bring him in to LA, third option, I think you know where he hit the load is less on him. I think he'd be a really solid guy. He's a very good shooter, better than Chris Paul at shooting. And you know, he's a guy who could we, we've seen him take backseat roles before, and he's he's you know, been le- but less ball dominant, you know, with DeMar DeRozan with, you know, yeah, he's Kyle always Kyle been Leonard. at least a second option. He's never really been a first option. The, even as a third option, he'll be fine though, because he's not really mm-hmm. that ball dominant. He's way less ball dominant than Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are undoubtedly better players than Kyle Lowry. 
you know, like you were talking how you said like Westbrook might not be like is a better fit because you think he's more durable. I mean, if you're going to go for that, then just take Westbrook or take Chris Paul because they're both substantially better players than Kyle Lowry at this point in his career. To me, I don't know. I, I get the Westbrook side because I understand that he's going to be there every night and help you compete for a high seed in the regular season. But like I said, and I'll say it once again, it's all about Anthony Davis's durability and him being out on the 100%. floor. Nothing else matters. That, all right, let's fair. move on though. Let's let's talk about two other superstars who could be on the move. Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal could be moved as early as this week. Many believe that Beal will be gone by draft night, while the Blazers remain optimistic that Damian Lillard could still return next season. So let's talk about some trade destinations. First off, for Damian Lillard, I'm sure you guys have all heard this, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry being paired together. Uh, the trade package would look something like, obviously, Damian Lillard headed to Golden State. Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, some picks, uh, the two picks this year, and then additional first-round picks. And then we got the New York Knicks. We got R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, uh, the, the picks this year that they have, the two first-round picks, and then two future first. We also have the Boston Celtics, who can offer Jalen Brown, who's very, who look, you know, looks very promising at this point. Marcus Smart, two future first-rounders. And then last but not least, the Philadelphia 76ers, who can offer up Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, uh, you know, the pick, their pick this year, and then two future first. To me, realistically speaking, I think the Sixers, the Warriors are probably – you know, the highest on Dame's list because, you know, he wants to win a ring at this point in my eyes. Yeah. Um, the best trade package of these four, I, I honestly think guys, Golden State has the best trade package. Absolutely. James Wiseman. I like James Wiseman's future. Someone brought me, someone, you know, kind of gave a good point that big men take a little bit longer to develop in now's NBA. If you really look at it, because it's hard to learn a system and it's hard to learn, you know, just the plays in the NBA. It's hard to like learn your role as a big man in the, in today's NBA. Um, so I think James Wiseman with a little more developing, I think he could turn into a really solid piece and James Wiseman could shoot the three. I mean, he's, he's a pretty good, he, I mean, he's a number two pick for a reason. Andrew Wiggins, obviously, you know, we know how he goes. He's a pretty streaky guy, but he shows some upside defensively, especially. Um, and then, you know, two picks in this year's draft, seven, number seven overall. That's a good start for the, you know, the Blazers to get the, the ball rolling already with Damian Lillard out of there. And then, you know, more picks in the future. I think if you look at all these packages, you're getting the most value from, from, from Golden State if you're Portland. And I think I would just love to see Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. I, I don't care. As a Knicks fan, I don't even want to trade RJ Barrett for Damian Lillard. I don't think that would be a good idea if we can't get a Kawhi Leonard commitment. So I don't even want the Knicks in this hell conversation. Boston with Jalen Brown, I, I could see it. That would be that would be good. But Philadelphia and Golden State, in my opinion, these two in particular have really good offers. I don't know if Portland wants to get Jalen Brown and then have him just stuck in you know no man's land and just it would be weird. I mean, he would just be the only. It would be a. Mess. I also think it it makes no sense for the Celtics to do that right now. Um, Jason Tatum's still twenty four years old or twenty three, and Jalen Brown's twenty four. The, why would you give up, you know, yeah. Jalen Brown when you have him under contract for three more, four more, five more good years of Damian Lord when you can have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for another 10 more years? That would be, you know, dumb. And I, and I think the Knicks are in the same position with R.J. Barrett. I, I wouldn't do that uh, unless you can get a commitment, like you said, from Kawhi Leonard. So I think Golden State and, you know, Philly make the most sense by far. Yeah, I'd love to see him in Golden State next to Steph Curry. That'd just be awesome. I don't know if it would – put them over some of these other teams. But it would be fun to watch for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I now, tell you what, they'll compete. They'll compete it, every night. And if Draymond can knock down the three uh, ball, I'm telling you, 
Dude, Draymond hasn't knocked on the three ball since like 2016. And I don't see how we could just yeah. randomly expect Draymond to be. He got a little. He got a little. He got a little dude, bit better. He just disappeared his shot though. Like he used to be a, a 30, like seven. What was it? 36. It was really only the one season though. Like that was a like that was the 73 and nine season. He was yeah. He was pretty strong. He was like a good player back then. And now I don't know what happened with his three ball. It just fell off. I mean, completely. But um, Golden State scares me a little bit though, because they would have legitimately zero depth if they made this trade. You'd have a really strong starting five, but who else would they have? They would have um, I'm drawing Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. They have Jordan Toscano Poole Anderson and then like Toscano? maybe Pascal, but that and then Toscano Anderson. Yeah, Pascal, Toscano Anderson. I mean, that's a solid well, bench. They're, they're, gonna, they're not going to have like Ubre, although Ubre wasn't great last year. He was he was inconsistent, and so was Wiggins. But they just wouldn't really have any. Remember wins. though, the mid-level exception though, they'll have that. Yeah, so they're going to have to. So that that would be a key bench too. They'll be fine if they can get their hands on. That that core you, four, and if, if you get someone like Damian Lillard, what if like Melo wants a mid level exception to go there? No, but no, you don't even need Melo to the mid level. That's a waste of money. That's that's horrible. Yeah, I, I think, think Melo would be a minimum contract because you can get like Evan Fournier at the mid level exception. You can get like a good player because it's like that's like ten million dollars nowadays. The mid level. Mm-hmm. I thought it's, it's like, like five point two. No, it's like no, it's, it's up gone to 10. up. So yeah. it's it's oh, like damn. a good. You can get like a good player with that. So I would definitely say that for you know an Evan Fournier, for example. But now we got some trade destinations for Bradley Beal. Obviously, you know, we have the same teams pretty much in the mix. Expect, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Mavericks are also in the mix for Bradley Beal. But, yeah, the Boston Celtics, you know, we have a similar package, except, you know, they don't give up Jalen Brown. So that package would have Brown, Tatum, and Beal, which would be pre- pretty good, I would say. The Warriors, you know, a pretty similar package, but a little bit less, you know, not the two additional future first-round picks. And then the Dallas Mavericks, which their offer would be Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson, Josh Richardson, Four future first round picks and two pick swaps. So Dallas really doesn't have a much much uh, trade ammo, but that would be fun to see Beal, Luca, you know, KP even. You know, that would be a solid yeah, I was trio. Say that would be highway robbery by the Mavericks if they traded Tim Hardaway. And I mean, Brunson's a solid player. Tim Hardaway's solid, but Josh Richardson didn't really yeah, play for them. And then, a, and then a bunch of picks that would be meaningless because they would be contending anyway. That would be an absolute steal for the Mavericks. They would have Lillard next to Doncic. And if Porzingis can even like pretend to know, no, what- no, no, no. This is Beal next to Doncic. Oh, Beal. I'm sorry. That's what Beal. I meant. If they could have Beal, I think Beal would actually be an even better fit. If they could have Beal next to Doncic, and then Porzingis like understands what sport he's playing for like two seconds. They would be absolutely unstoppable. I mean, that would be ridiculous. I, I think the Celtics is the most realistic out of this one, though. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do it without trading Jalen Brown. They um, could all, they but- could also offer like um. I but mean, like, actually, they don't have a lot of other train ammo. Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal. Yeah, I was going to say these, in St. Louis. These they're, trades they're really seem good a little friends, unfair, so. but at the same time, like I feel like the Wizards don't have much leverage here. They almost kind of like have to get rid of Bradley Beal because, like, I mean, look, James Harden wasn't traded for much, so mm-hmm. yeah, people hard. aren't traded for much nowadays. It's like I don't because if you're like you know Washington, there it's just something is. It, there's just something good about restarting and then having your own pick be higher as a result. Cause you're also, when you trade Bradley Beal, you're also making your own draft pick have more, you know, benefit. So it's, it's also like you're get you're, you're boosting your draft pick stock with, with that's like in the trade package almost. So and, like, and Washington is only what an eight seed at best. And we don't even know if they're going to be able to do that again next year. Washington is one of the worst rosters in the NBA outside that's of Washington. The, they were starting like, Roan, like, Eto, and Bertans, and like giving and Gary Matthews, yeah, some players that were just like, and dude, Alex and like Alex Len, like dude, yeah. they, like Robin Lopez, still at this. Their, like, their roster is actually like so. The only, the only legitimate guy they have is, is Rui. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Daniel Gafford, you know, Gafford was, was okay. solid. 
Yeah, okay. and he didn't look good before the injury. Honestly, his numbers weren't very impressive. No, they're they're, they're in a bad spot. That, they just that roster was shot. Get rid of Westbrook now while he still has a little bit of value. Same with Bradley Beal while he has his most value now coming off, you know, a 31 point per game season. To me, it makes more it, it makes sense. I, I think yeah, you know Bradley Beal definitely. Yep. Definitely does. All right. So now we're gonna move on to some NFL talk uh to round out the episode today. We got, you know, Big Ben super diet. So if you guys haven't heard, um, I'll inform you all right now. Pretty much Ben Roethlisberger's camp. Um, came out and admitted that his, you know, his diet, or came out and said that his diet was better than Tom Brady's, and how he was, you know, using, you know, or eating more healthy than Brady and all this stuff. And then he, Ben Roethlisberger himself, came out and, you know, actually admitted that his diet claimed by his team was just false, and that his diet wasn't actually better than Tom Brady's. But the veteran quarterback did acknowledge that his diet, you know, included, you know, drinking sugar-free drinks, no fried food, no alcohol. So he, you know, he obviously you know, has changed his diet. And for the better, you saw his, you know, jawline looking pretty, pretty fresh. So Big Ben has made some improvements to his body this offseason, you know, taking it more seriously. But, you know, it was just funny how his camp was coming out with all this, how he's eating like greens. Because Big Ben still says he's eating like, like he'll, he'll still like eat um, like a hamburger. But like, I guess like no, like, I guess no, is that fried? No, it's not really fried. But he's not like a green machine. Like he's not eating like all these greens and stuff. But he's definitely cutting down on some, you know, sugar and some fried fried food for sure yeah of course yeah. he's not doing he's not treating his body better than tom brady's tom brady has the tb12 method he has an entire team of trainers i mean he has his own book like his, his wife is a supermodel who just monitors everything she eats of course this was a, a lie oh just like seeing those words makes me disgusted but you know it, on the other side it is good that he's taking better care of his body because he is getting older and he needs to be more in shape um, so his body can take some more hits because what is he? Is he 38 or 39 now? He's, he's going to take a lot of hits behind that offensive line this year. Oh, my. Yeah, Jesus. You know, he, he did, I saw a picture of him, though. He looked slimmed down for sure. You know, that's good. Uh, but I'm, I'm like I said, I'm concerned about Big Ben and his durability because, you know, we've seen him get injured. He's a tough guy. plays through it a lot, but he's only getting older. He had the elbow thing and the offensive line now is not looking good. So uh, his durability concerns yeah, but... me. But now that he's slimmed down, and looks better. I'm not as concerned. How much worse can the offensive line get, though? Um, like last year, they ranked thirty-first, and they brought in like four new guys on the line. Well, they have four always new guys. Worse. They have but a new they off- lost, but they have a new offensive line coach, yeah. and they have four new guys. Uh, so it. Could I like be- their new offensive coordinator, but you know they they lost Pouncey, who you know who's ranked poorly, but he's their leader. He's their center. He's been there for a long time. Same thing with DeCastro. They lost Matt Viler. Yeah, but to they the were Chargers terrible the last year. Yeah, so the, like, the most important thing with the offensive line is continuity. It's continuity. And yep. will be better, but it's going to take time. So the first few weeks, it's going to be tough. Yeah, but I mean, last year they literally ranked 31st. So I don't, I mean, unless you rank 32nd this year, I mean, you can't get Well, you can be 32nd and you could still get worse. I mean, like we, we saw with the Giants for a few years, they were awful and they just kept getting worse. You know, it, it's possible. <laughs> There's well, no yeah, no, limit I mean, to how many sacks you can let up in a season. <laughs> no, there's no limit. I mean, no. In all seriousness, guys, what do you think the Steelers will go next season? Because I think, like, I think nine wins. I, I seriously think they can get to the nine-win mark. Mike Tomlin has never had a, a losing record in a long time. Uh, I, I could see, like, eight, you know, eight wins, nine wins. Between yeah, eight I and think, ten, I'd say. I would say nine and eight is right on the dot. They, I think – I mean, obviously, they were overrated last year. Um I think their defense is a little overrated. They have the great pass rushers, but the they lost a lot of depth in the secondary. Yeah, I was going to say their yeah, defense, specifically their secondary, concerns me. And I think their offense is just so overrated. And then they I wasted would... that pick on a running back when their offensive line is non-functional. Um, their receivers are solid, but not like, none of them really stand out. And 
oh, I feel like I'm going to get crucified for that, but I just don't think that any of them are like, no, they were all not... very inconsistent. Juju no, might just... be the best guy still. Um, and the, they have a major drop problem. But they're young, though. To be fair, they're young, so they can yeah. get better. But and right now, issues, they play in a really tough division. You know, the Ravens and Browns are legitimate teams, and the Bengals have gotten better. On the rise. No, I will yeah. say, though, Chase Claypool is actually, like I think, going to be like pretty like, good. I think he's going to stand yeah, he's, out. We'll yeah, see. He was really inconsistent last year. So I like, think Juju's like average, but Chase is like – I think Chase could be like a pretty good player. And Deontay Johnson is a great route runner. If he could fix his hands, he could be yeah, a, a stud as well. I'm just really day. concerned about the offensive line. Yeah, and at the end of the day, what nobody's talking about is what about Ben Roethlisberger? He missed all of last season. Will he be good this year? Will he be bad? Like, that's a huge question mark. People just what do you mean he missed all of last season? People just assume he's going to be as good as he was in his prime, you know? And that's a big what question. He didn't miss all last season. Wait, What? You said he and, missed all of last season. Oh, I'm talking about two seasons ago. Sorry, but he was, yeah. you know, he, he he kind of broke down at the end of last season. Um, yeah, of course. He, it, especially, I mean. he, he broke down at the end of last season, and he wasn't that good, and people are assuming he's going to come back and just be this tremendous player. And Yeah, so they lost, what, the last two regular season games, and then they got they got dominated in the first playoff mm-hmm. game. Right? And, you know, he, he, that was, that was he at it? That records for, like, yards and completions in a playoff game, but it was really all garbage time. Nothing he oh, did. Oh, well, they were down, like, 21 nothing for the they first They were down 28-0 in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah. I will say, though, I remember when, like, Steelers fans, like, because when like, I made the power rankings on, like, Instagram last year, and, like, Steelers fans used to get so pissed that I like, had them on number two, like, when they were undefeated below the Chiefs, and they were like, how are they not better than Kansas City? Kansas City's way better than them. Or, like, or Pittsburgh's way better than Kansas City. It's like, Steelers fans, I mean, they really got, did get on my nerves last season, but I will say, they, they, I think they can go nine and eight. I think they can make the playoffs, potentially. You know, I'm saying yeah, start. But they're injuries happen. The, they're the third best team in that division, I think. Yeah. But, like, they could easily be over, like, New England or, like, a, a Miami. Like, they could easily do it. Like, it's not like – Yeah. I mean, but you also have, like, the Chargers, too, the Colts or the Titans. Like, there's going to be a lot of yeah, good a teams in the AFC fighting for a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. And I just – I'm afraid of, like, a potential Drew Brees situation here where Ben Roethlisberger just becomes, like, non – like, not capable of throwing a football. I don't know. Because he just – he just really didn't look good at the end of last year, and it concerns me. And especially with that offensive line, like at least Drew Brees had a good offensive line towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on though now to Chandler Jones. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to see a great pass rushing duo in Arizona with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. But Chandler Jones has requested a trade. He's under contract right now for one more year, making about $15 million, but he wants a new contract. He's 31 years old right now. He had 19 and a half sacks just two seasons ago. He has 97 career sacks. You know, I mean – Guys, what is his trade value? I saw something tweeted by uh, Chad Forbes, a guy on Twitter. He said that, you know, the Giants are a good possibility with maybe moving someone like Evan Ingram. And, you know, Patrick Graham was down in Arizona before he went to New York. I mean, Chandler Jones, to me, will easily still be a double-digit sack guy. He's a great edge rusher. And, you know, this is a shame that Arizona has to get rid of him because they really needed him to pair with J.J. Watt. They're both at this point in their careers. But, um, you know, he's going to be a prime guy for a lot of, you know, teams that are contending or close to contending to get on the market yeah i think that chandler jones uh could definitely push a team over the top especially you know like you said i think the giants could be definitely you know, with the, the connection to patrick graham but yeah for the cardinals i mean jj watt and him are both in like the, the kind of backs the back nine of their career this yeah. would have been a pretty solid you know pairing and obviously arizona's hoping to you know make a, a playoff push this year it's just weird with me though, man, because this this move tells me like it just changes. It just tells me how much the NFL has changed. Like it's turning into like the NBA almost with the player empowerment now. That like 
because you'd have never seen like Chandler Jones be able to control his own destiny on his way out of, you know, Arizona. And what I will say is like some of these like mock trades are ridiculous. How is he only worth a third round pick? That's that to me, the NF that makes no sense. Like the fact that the giants can get away with trading a third round pick and Evan Engram for Chandler Jones is not a even joke. It, it would probably be like Evan Engram in like a fifth. Yeah, and they have – remember, the Giants show. have multiple third and fourth rounders well, now. So I'll, 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 give up my, I'll give up three third-round picks for this dude, dude. Like, this, he's a stud. Absolutely. He's an all-pro. He missed last season with, I believe, what? It was a pectoral injury, right? So that's, like, not too much to – that's not really a concern. If it was a knee injury, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Um, and, yeah, like, the, the guy's gotten double-digit sacks almost every year in his career. He's in a machine. 19 sacks that one year. Or just he's two only years ago. 31. It's not like he's 35. I would definitely take a flyer on him. Especially if you're the Giants, you get that legitimate pass rusher you need to put next to like a whole rotation of guys and Leonard Williams. They would just be absolutely lethal. They would be one yeah, of the top defenses of in football. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I, mean, I hope that happens, but we'll see. Yeah, this, the this timing on this crazy. Chandler Jones thing was really weird. I, I guess it's because he wants he wanted a new contract, but to request a trade from the Cardinals is kind of weird, right? Yeah, like they're on the Especially up, they're on at the this rise. point. They're on the, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, you signed JJ Watt. Um, you obviously have Kyler Murray, who's shown a lot of potential. Still, DeAndre Hopkins. You got Rodney Hudson from the Raiders. You picked Zayvon Collins, your solid player. You're on the rise. You know, you're pushing for a playoff spot, like you said, Ben. It doesn't. It's it's like you said. It's a really awkward timing, and it's just kind of a tough situation now for the Cardinals to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. To, I, I he could have at least like held out or something, but to just come out of nowhere and request a trade was kind of shocking. But who knows? All right, let's talk about Deshaun Watson now. He is reporting to Texans training camp. He, he actually showed up today, I read, and it's a really weird situation because he's technically not suspended, so he could he could participate, he could play. Um, the NFL has to make a decision regarding that at some point. I, I don't know if they're going to like put him on like the commissioner's exempt list until like a legal um, like until like a legal ruling is reached or something. It's just a really weird situation. But I think the fact that he showed up could be promising for Texans fans. But at this point, do you even like? If you're a Texans fan, do you even want him or do you just want to trade him? I don't know. The whole situation is just so bizarre. It's to me. just a real, like you said, it's just a really, really weird and messed up situation. I think the best thing to do in this point with all the allegations and stuff is just put him on the commissioner's exempt list, like you said. Um, wait until there's some kind of ruling or decision made. You know, the Texans are in an awkward spot. The Texans fans are in an awkward spot. He's in an awkward spot. The rest of the NFL is kind of in an awkward spot. Just seeing kind of all this breakdown and the disaster that it is. Because why would you want to trade for him? Yeah, um, it's just very, very confusing right now. I, I don't know. Yeah, the NFL better keep the same energy with Deshaun Watson because if this were any other player that's like not a superstar quarterback, they would be put on the commissioner's exempt list right now. They would already be on the commissioner's exempt list. Like Antonio Brown even was that one year with Oakland. The fact that if Deshaun Watson is able to get away with, like, I mean, and look, I'm not really all for the allegations or whatever. Like, I'm not going like, to get into that. But like, all I'm saying is if, they're in the middle of like legal court cases and stuff. Why he shouldn't be playing next season. If they're in the middle of all this, it should, it should have to be settled before he could plan. And maybe that's too harsh. Maybe I'm being harsh, but I just feel like if that were any other player guys who was just a, like a bum, they would easily be put on the exempt list. But no, since it's a Sean Watson, he's, he's fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Cause we haven't really seen too much come out about this whole situation yeah we have there's, really there's just a, like a really big lack of information right now so everybody's kind of in the dark nobody really knows what to make of any of this it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens i don't think as of right now i don't think he plays week one though i think they're definitely gonna put him on some sort of commissioner's exempt list or maybe suspend him or something 
you I could see him more. missing like the first four games, maybe. Something well, if like you have more info when we get late. Well, like, yeah, I mean, there's still yeah. plenty of time. We got like six weeks until the season starts. So, and when does he have to go for like media availability though? Because don't you have to like report to like media availability every day in training camp, or at least like? Yeah, I'm not sure. Because I know in Hard Knocks, you know, they always show the guys like at the at the media, you know, availability. I think you do have to go for media every day in training camp. So. It will be interesting to hear when his first press conference comes out and what he has to say about the whole situation, or if he mm-hmm. does decline to, you know, talk about it. But I'm sure he will. But I'm sure the reporters will just keep pestering him with questions. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll know, but we'll know about like his like body language, like how he handles it. Like if he says like, you know, I'm like I'm not talking about the situation, which he probably will because it's a legal thing. You know, you don't want to like actually really say anything to hurt or help your case or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely, uh, be won't hear much but you know at least just seeing him talk you know in here like just seeing his face it, it'll be you know just maybe some you know at least, at least something you know we'll get something from him which mm-hmm. will be good but um that's gonna be it from the sneaky sports podcast season three episode number 55 we really do appreciate it guys um we're actually we've actually hit i believe what 500 since last Monday's episode, which was like, we, we were two, we were at like 210 subscribers and we've actually jumped all the way to 836 at this moment. So we really do appreciate it guys, all the support on the recent videos. So we're, and if you guys are seeing this, we may have already hit, we don't know what we're going to hit. We're not going to, you know, guess and say we were going to hit a certain milestone. So whatever we're at now, just know we were at 836 at the time of this recording, um, which is currently, well, it's Monday, but yeah, um, we'll see you guys in the next one. We really do appreciate it. Make sure to rate and review our podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate um, Spotify, review the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube and you already aren't subscribed, subscribe and drop a like on the video. It really Smashing a like on the video really does mean a lot and it really does do a lot for the algorithm. Um, and yeah, guys, we really do appreciate it. Make sure to follow our socials, our Instagram, our TikTok, our Twitter. Um, and a really easy way to find all of our social links is our, on our Beacons page where we have, you know, all of our stuff. So it's really a convenient way to find us, you know, on all the platforms. So once again, we appreciate it, guys. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.